You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Honor him today. Um, let's all stand up as we honor his word. So we're going to read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Okay, I'm going to read from verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to honor you with our lives, and we thank you for the grace, just as Larry shared this morning. It is your grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, say no to unrighteousness, and to worldly passions. And it is your grace also that teaches us to direct our lives towards the path that you have for us, and that is the way of righteousness, so that we can live our lives to bring honor and glory to you. Lord, we commit this time, and I pray that you would open our hearts as we Receive your word this morning. Anoint the preaching of your word and let your word be embedded deep in our hearts, in our souls, and in our minds, in, our, in every fiber of our being so that we may indeed obey it so that we can walk with a life that pleases you. So, Lord, we just commit this time to you. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so you may have your seats. You know, last week we talked about Honoring God with all your heart, and that is basically the beginning point of how we can live to honor God, okay? If you ask the question, how can I live to honor God, it's, that's, that is where it begins. It begins in the heart, and we live to honor God with all our hearts. We don't honor God with just part, you know, partial part of our hearts, you know, just uh, we don't honor Him partially. We honor Him fully. It's either we honor Him or we don't, okay? So, and when we talk about honoring God with all our hearts... That begins to be reflected into every area of our life, every aspect of our lives. If we honor God with all our hearts, then we will honor Him with our thoughts. We will honor Him with our words. We will honor Him with our deeds. We will honor Him in our relationships. We will honor Him in all the things we take care of in in the stewardship that we have. And uh, we will honor Him as well in the way we live our lives. And in particular, in taking care of this body. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is to how we can honor God with our bodies, okay, in this body. Now, so the question now I want to ask is, how can we honor God with our bodies? Now, a lot of people do things with their bodies. Uh, some are good. Some are not so good. Some are really, really not good, okay? So um, let's look at a few pictures here. Some people, you know, they, they uh, adorn their bodies with with makeup, cosmetics, and also with, with, uh, with flashy attire, you know, so we call them. There's a term now that's uh, being used for these kinds of people. They're called fashionistas. Have you heard that term? You're a fashion. How many of you are fashionistas here? <laughs> people actually, come on, bro. <laughs> so you're, I mean, you know, fashion is your statement, you know. If you can't play, display, right? So anyway, so you have all the, all the nice-looking stuff, and so... And so basically a lot of people get their value from, from the compliments of people when, when you look classy, you look sharp, you look slick, you know. And some people actually 
do it overboard. You know, it's like these two people were overboard. I mean, they decided to go on a boat ride on a stormy day, and they're dressed appropriately. Look at that. So, I mean, like, I mean, they're in a storm, and they look so good. You see, it doesn't matter where you are just as long as you look good. All right? So, <laughs> but some people take it um, beyond the, the, the clothing and externals, and they actually do something with their actual bodies. And so some people decide to be fit. And how many of you have it in your faith goal this year that you're going to be fit, you're going to be healthy? Come on now. So you have that? Being fit and being healthy, that's really good. Okay? But some people take it to an extreme. Okay? So they do this. I mean, they, they really pump up their... So how many of you are like that? How many of you love this? If we have some people here like this. There you go. Bandamar is really... <laughs> how many of you will raise your hand with whatever question I ask? <laughs> anyway, um, some people really take it to the extreme. And, you know, some people think this is good. Some people think it's like, that's too much. And, uh, you know, with these kinds of people, I just wonder how they scratch their backs. You know, it's like... They can't really reach it, you know, so there's itch. I can't reach it. <laughs> the elbow's itchy. And I can't reach it with all the muscle there, so. <laughs> and look at that transformation. Now, some people bring transformation to another level, not in, this, in, the, in, the, in their physique, but in how the way they look. And uh, they go through um, cosmetic surgery so that they could change the way they look. And this is very rampant with a lot of famous people today, particularly celebrities. I mean, you look at celebrities, they, they wouldn't be celebrities if they don't, they don't look good, right? Unless they're really, really talented. Now, we have a lot of celebrities that are, they don't look good, but they're very talented. That's why they're very famous. But most celebrities look good. Wouldn't you agree? And somehow, they still feel they're not handsome enough or they're not pretty enough. And they're not perfect enough, so they change the way they look to the point that they look like someone else. How many of you are shocked just by seeing this picture? I like, I like her the way she was. But, you know, she likes her, herself the way she is, you know. So, but anyway, it's my opinion. <clears throat> Did you know that in South Korea, cosmetic surgery is such an accepted practice that even teenagers go through it because they have such a, a culture of, of um, you know, if you're not pretty, you're not accepted. If you're not handsome, then you're an outcast. So they have that social pressure to look pretty. And there's even a ta a, 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 some, several reality shows that feature that, wherein it's like, uh, you know, like American Idol, right? But here, the contestants are, are cosmetic surgeons, and their teams, and they're judged based on their creation, basically. And uh, this is an example right there. And, and this is, this is uh, advertised all over the nation. They're crazy about looking, looking pretty, looking handsome, looking nice. Some people, I've, I read an article this week as I was uh, looking for stories like this. I mean, even some... Uh, you know, high schoolers when they, no, middle schoolers when they graduate, for summer they go through, they put like a second eyelid right there, and that to them that looks pretty. And when they come back to school, they go, "Wow, you're so pretty." And this is so, 
This is so much accepted in, in, uh, in South Korea that it inspired a Latin American who always wanted to look like an Asian. And here, it seems like you're looking at two different people, but that's actually the same person. This was before, this is after cosmetic surgery. So, I mean, you wouldn't recognize them, right? <laughs> so, people alter their bodies so that they could look better or they could look the way they want to. Now, some people use their bodies like as, as their canvas for their artistic nature. You know, so they're very artistic and they use their bodies as canvas to express their art. And um, like this guy, it's a work, for him, it's a work of art. You have a lot of piercings in, in his, just in his face alone. You haven't seen the piercings in his body. I didn't, I didn't want to show it. <laughs> now, we're talking about all the pictures I showed you. We're talking about glorifying God with your body, not glorifying your body. And that's pretty much what we have in the culture today. We glorify the bodies. We glorify it. We see the, the imagery. I mean, you're like, you're, you're, uh, you're selling, you're selling a, like, a, like a hat or a cap. And then the model is like, what does a bikini have to do with a hat? You know, it's like, we're so, this culture is so obsessed with the human body for pleasure. And that is actually, when you talk about glorifying God with your body, that is so much, that, that's so far from what the Bible says, how you glorify God with your body. Now, some people are on the other side of the spectrum, and they say that to glorify God with your body, you have to suffer like God. So we have some people who, who punish themselves because of their religious beliefs. They believe that if they do this, they please God. They glorify God. They go through suffering thinking that they glorify God. Now, is this really what glorifies God? So, so that's my question to you now. When we talk about glorifying God with the body, so how can we honor God with, the, with our bodies as the Bible speaks? Now, as we're going to look at this word, let me just define what body is. We all know what the body is, but the, the word body is used in Scripture in various ways. It can mean this one, the physical body. It can also mean uh, the, the person's total physical life, synonymous to the whole personality. So it's not just the shell, but it's your total being. When you talk about the body, it's your total being. The word body is also used for a collective group of people, just like this one, okay? This is the body of believers, okay? So you're all members of this body. Look at the person next to you and tell that person, I'm connected to you. Okay, we're connected, whether you like it or not, okay? So we're connected here. If you're a member of this church, you're connected to one another. Now, for our purposes, we will focus here, basically these two senses of the word body used in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians 6, we see several keys on how to honor God with our bodies. And it starts with understanding that we are not our own. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, 6, 19, it says there, we are not our own. You are not your own. 
Okay? You are not your own. Now, verse 13 of the same chapter says this, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. It just simply means that our body is meant for the Lord because God is the creator of our bodies. Okay, God created us. It's funny, last, uh, was it last night or the other night? When we broke our fast, you know, so we were having, a lot of us went to different places. And so, so Banuar, right, he, we, were, we had dinner uh, together. And uh, he, he uh, there you go, Banuar, special mention, brother. <laughs> he, shared us, he shared to us uh, a, a story about this kid. I hope you don't mind me sharing your story. This little kid asking his mother, Mom, where did we come from? How did we, how did we come to be? Oh, you know, God created us. You know, it was God who created us. All, you mean every human being? Every human being. God created every human being. Wow. Okay. And so the next, the next evening, he wanted to verify that with his dad. So he went to his dad, who was watching TV, you know, watching the NFL playoffs, you know. so. <laughs> and dad, where did we come from? Where did human beings come from? And he goes, oh, that's easy. You know, son, come here. You know, science says that we all evolved from the monkey. That the monkey is our great, 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 great ancestor or grandparent or whatever. So we evolved from the monkeys. We came from them. What? That's not what mom said. Oh, no, 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 son. Science, there's, you know, science proves it. We all came from the monkey. And so... So he, the, guy, the kid has two conflicting ideas of where they, he, he came from. So he went back to his mom. He said, Mom, you lied. You said we came from God, you know. But that, dad said that we all came from the monkeys. And then the mom said, okay, son, come here. Let me explain something to you. You know what, dad, sometimes he's just not too focused. He was actually referring to his side of his family. <laughs> so, Hey, Banuar, it worked. Your joke, joke worked. So. <clears throat> we are all created by God, whether you believe that or not. And, um, and because we were created by God, he owns us. And that's why the scripture says the body is not meant for sexual immorality. Okay, now the, word, the, the term sexual immorality in... In the Greek, because the New Testament was written in Greek, the Greek word used for this phrase is porneia, okay? So, which means sexual acts that are, that are morally questionable or morally unacceptable. Sexual acts that are not acceptable based on the standard of, of truth and, and standard of God, basically, okay? And that porneia is where we derive the word pornography, so if you're into porn, the word porn itself doesn't connote anything good. Okay, so the body is not meant for sexual immorality. Okay, now, uh, the Bible says here, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person is a sins against his own body. 
Now, sexual immorality is emphasized over all the other sins committed by man when it comes to the body. When it, with regards to the body, the one sin that tops them all off is that, sin, that sins against the body is sexual immorality. Why is that so? Now, this is a broad topic. Okay, so, but I just, so I'm just going to read an article read by R.A. Moeller uh, that he has written from, uh, in uh, the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. And he talked about sexual deviance. Okay, says there, he says there, just as the biblical writers present marital sex as holy and natural. Why did he say that? Because, you see, it was God's idea for man and woman to have sex. Okay, so, but in the confines of, his, of marriage. See, God was the one who defined what sex is supposed to be. It's in the confines of marriage. Enjoyed between a man and his wife. Okay, enjoyed by a man and his wife. And, that's, and when it's done that way, his blessing is upon it. Okay? And he is pleased with that. And those are the confines. And that's his definition. But when we do sexual acts outside of marriage, whether before marriage or you do an extramarital affair or you do other strange sexual acts, those are what you call sexual deviance. You've deviated from, its, from the de definition of sex. And here, just as the biblical writers present marital sex as wholly natural, all other forms of sexual activity are presented in the Bible as condemned and sinful, in addition to adultery and fornication, which are forms of sexual immorality. The Bible expressly forbids homosexuality, bestiality, incest, prostitution, rape, pederasty, and all other forms of sexual deviance. Take a picture of it. These are the verses supporting that. To say the Bible presents sexual deviance, look at this, as intentional rejection of God's authority as creator and Lord. Now, in Romans 1, verses 18 through 25, actually, if you read through uh, Romans 1, verses 18, up to the end of chapter 1, read that after the service. You go home, go to Romans 1 and read. And you will see there how clear it is. So if you ask, is this kind of sexuality forbidden by God or not? He does say that. Okay? Now, here's the thing. There's hope for people who say this. Okay? There's hope for people who are into this. Okay? Now, let me just say this. Okay? We are not here to accommodate culture so much as to lower down the truth or the standard of God. As the church, our job is to be the light and to proclaim the truth with love. It's sad to say a lot of people proclaim the truth without love and they're very condemning. Okay? And people take offense at what the Bible says. Now, Read this and you will see the reason why sexual immorality and in particular homosexuality, why it is not normal and why it, it, it seeks to destroy God's order. Now, I'm not here to judge homosexuals or any other sexually immoral person. 
we're not, I'm not done yet with what I'm going to say. I'm saying here. So, but this gives you the basis for that reasoning. Okay, Romans 1. Let's continue. As Paul warns, those who practice such sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're going to read this passage later on. Okay? We're going to read that passage later on. Both Old Testament and New Testament writers warn that the people of God are to remain untainted and uncorrupted by such sins. Now, and it says here, interestingly, the sexual practices of the various pagan nations described in the Old Testament and the sexual mores in the Roman Empire of the first century are remarkably like the obsessions that we have today. So, if you really look at it, all throughout history, sexual immorality has been a problem of man from the beginning because of the fall, because of sin. The context of the passage we read, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul was addressing the issue of sexual immorality in Corinth. Now remember, Corinth was one of the Greek nations there, so, and the city-states, and, um, and it was customary for them to be involved in sexual immorality because it was a religious rite for them, R-I-T-E. It was part of their worship. It was part of their cultural worship. It was part of their way of life. So to them, that was a way of life. They didn't even call it sexual immorality because to them, it wasn't immoral. It was part of their worship. And it's interesting, most of the inferences or most, most of the time when sexual immorality is mentioned in the Bible, a lot of times it's related to pagan form of worship. And it's the worship basically of the body. When the church was planted in Corinth and people became believers, in the church, they were believers, and yet some of the cultural things that they used to have, they didn't think it was wrong, so they continued to be promiscuous even in the church. So can you imagine in the church, there were a lot of promiscuous people. And so Paul had to address that. Flee from it, and that's why, that's the context of that. Now, that was then. And today, it's no, no, more, no more a religious right, but it is seen as my right. R-I-G-H-T. I have the right to do what I want to do with my body. With my life, nobody tells me what to do. I control my life. I make my own destiny. I control the shots. I will do what I like to do. If I want to have sex with, with, with this many people, I will do it because it's my right. You see, man's independent thinking, man's independence from God has brought about the consequences laid out in Romans 1. So, as you look at this, see, I want us, as we look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 right now at, through 11, why is this, why is sexual immorality so severe? <clears throat> why is, this, is it so severe? Okay. Let's read this. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now, maybe some of you here right now are being offended by this already. I can't believe he's saying this. We're, we're in, living in, a, in an age where we have to be politically correct. and we can. You see, political correctness is deviance from the truth. It's accommodating culture more than the truth. Let's call a spade a spade, right? If it sounds like a duck, it walks like a duck, it flies like a duck, it, it acts like a duck, then what is it? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's, an, uh, it's a swan. It's, an, you know, it's, it's really a swan that's trying to be... Let, it is a duck. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's not sugarcoat it. Now, I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I'm saying that for us to understand the gravity of sexual immorality. Here is why this is so severe, a sin. It is lumped up with all the other sins that will cause someone to not inherit the kingdom of God. You can enjoy it no, you know, however long you want, but in the end, you're going to suffer for all eternity apart from God. Is that really worth it? The problem is a lot of people are in bondage to sexual immorality. Of course, not just sexual immorality, in all, with all other sins, but this sin in particular. <clears throat> it is so severe. I don't like this message, Pastor Neil. But wait, there's more. But verse 11 says this. And such were some of you. Paul was saying to the, to the Corinthians, you know, don't be deceived. Swindlers, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, the sexually immoral, you know, the fornicators, the adulterers, the homose- the hom- those who practice homosexuality, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is so severe. And that was who, who you were before. Some of you were like that before. Look at this. But you were washed. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, there is hope and that living hope is in Christ and that is an eternal hope. But if you're not in Christ, then you're not washed, you're not justified, you're not sanctified, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Scary message, I don't like this. Well, we preach the truth, but here's a good thing. Even if people are in bondage to sexual immorality, see, God so loved us. And God so valued us still. Even when we were in the mud, of our, in the mud, in, in the quagmire of our sin, He loved us. Why? Because He valued us. He honored us. And He valued us and honored us so much by becoming a man to save us from, from, from the pit of this, and, and from the road to destruction. Isn't God great? You see, there, that's why there is hope. That's why we preach. We don't preach, you're going to go to hell. We don't preach that. If, you, you know, if you're like that, you're going to no. If you're in sin, whatever sin you may have, this is the reality. But God loved you so much so that you don't have to go there. He wants you to be delivered from this. He loves you so much. He can wash you. Pastor, you don't realize. I've been struggling with this. I've, been, you know, I've tried everything. 
You don't realize I've been born this way. I'm born this way. And people give in to that because they struggle and struggle. They try to fight it, but they can't overcome it because it's a spiritual enemy. You fighting a spiritual enemy on your own without God, you will not win. And you fight, you try everything, and you struggle all these years, and then you, you're defeated every time, and then you come to submission and then to deception, thinking that this is really who I am. I'm born this way. Accept it, embrace it, and come out. That's not who you are. You've allowed your, the, the struggle and the sin and, and the bondage to redefine you. You see, the one who created you is the one who defines you. Your definition, your destiny, your life is defined by God, not by your circumstances, not by your pain. That's why we can honor God even if we are, in, we are struggling. Even if we're, we don't understand everything, we can still honor God. You were washed. So, you see there's hope here? That's why, you know, when we, when, when we have people here who will come or when we reach out to people who are in th these kinds of sins, at first they will not like the message. But you know what? That's why we reach out to them with love, just as Jesus reached out to us with love. He didn't come pounding the scriptures upon us and condemning us to hell. He came. He stooped down. He went to our level and loved us. And that's his command to his disciples. A new command I give you, love one another. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's a severe sin of the body and to the body, but there is hope in Christ. Amen? So I have a qu another question here. Would you just do whatever you want with something that you don't own? Okay. Larry, may I borrow your iPhone, please? So who owns this? Larry. What if I change the settings here right now? <laughs> Larry's <you're> like, <laughs> what if I sent a tweet? An inappropriate tweet. Can I do that? I can. I'm holding it. But do I have the right to do that? If I just let this go. <laughs> Some of you are like, Okay, thanks, Larry. <laughs> you see, I can't just do whatever I want to do with something I don't own. Okay? We are not our own. We don't have the right to do just whatever we want to do with our lives. Because if we do that, we deviate from the very reason for, of our existence and we put ourselves in a place that is scary because we can never define and sustain life apart from God and his purpose. That's why those who rebel against God, those who turn away from God, those who turn away from the path, find it harder and harder and harder. And they struggle and struggle all the more. And life becomes harder. And they, become in bondage, they come into bondage more and more. Just come back. Allow me to redefine you. Does this make sense? 
God owns our bodies because he created us. Whether you believe it or not, whether you're a Christian or not, it doesn't matter. He owns us. And see, the proper response to the reality that God owns our bodies is this. Stewardship. This is the proper perspective and attitude that we are to have to this reality that God owns our bodies. Stewardship. That's why we take care of our bodies. That's why we should take care of our bodies because we don't own it. We are, some people say, we are on borrowed time, right? This life has been entrusted to us. Okay, so we take, that's why we take care of our bodies. You know, at the beginning of this year, you know, I, I said, God, I'm, so one of my faith goals is for, you know, to be a better steward of my body. And, and I've been struggling with, you know, with, with sleep. Even if I want to sleep early and, you know, I can't sleep because probably it's because of this, you know, a lot of stress, stressful things. Even if I try to sleep early, I end up sleeping late. You know, so, and then I, I have to wake up a certain time because we do have a schedule to follow. So, so I said, God, please give me a break through here. And over the last week, you know, I've been finding the grace. It started with a desire. God, I want to honor you with that. I just, you know, I want to recalibrate. So I've been finding it, with the only exception was last night, you know, because we were, I was still, uh, you know, practicing this, this sermon over and over. So, but that's one of my, my goals. It's not because, you know, I want to be, it's because I'm a steward and I want to honor God with my body. Okay? Stewardship. That's why we don't abuse the body. We take care, we don't abuse it. With going over the limit of our, you know, of going over our limitations and pushing ourselves to the edge. And I always say, I'm on the edge. Of... That's another Lady Gaga. So I don't like Lady Gaga, okay? So <laughs> I'm just trying to be relevant, okay? So <laughs> See? There you go. So you always push yourselves, yourselves to the edge. And what happens? Your body suffers for that. You don't abuse your body, and you justify it, oh, you know, a little, little bit of this, a little bit of that. Actually, a little bit of this, a little bit of that will turn into a lot of this and a lot of that. Before you know it, you're going to be in bondage to those things, and you abuse your body. Stewardship. God owns our bodies. So, who owns us? So, what's the first key? To honoring God, understanding that we are not our own. The second key to honor God is to understand that we were bought with a price. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6.20, we were bought with a price. You see, God created us. But because of our sins, we fell. And now, God made a way to redeem us. When you talk about we were bought with a price, it actually refers to what Jesus did at the cross. First Peter says this, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, this basically refers to sin. Okay? You were ransomed right there. You were ransomed from sin, not with perishable things such as gold, silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You see? Jesus purchased us 
with his very own sinless blood. He purchased us. He redeemed us from sin. So he created us and he owns us. So that's two compelling reasons why we are to honor God. Especially if you're a believer. If you're a believer, you're purchased by God. It is fitting that you honor him because he honored you by dying for you. He valued you so much by giving his life for you. Tell the person next to you, God values and loves you so much. (laughs) Hey, do you believe that? You were purchased. You were bought. You see, that's, that's why it's good news. And thirdly, the third key to honor God with our bodies is to understand that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells you if you put your faith in Christ. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, he makes, he makes you a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It's a new creation. That is what we call, the Bible calls the new birth or the, the rebirth or the, or, or, or the second birth. Or what Jesus calls being born again. It's not, being born again is not your choice. I choose to be born again today. No, it's a spiritual encounter, okay, that, that you will have with God when you put your faith in Christ. And when you're, when you're born again, when, when you're regenerated, it's actually the Holy Spirit who regenerates you. And once he regenerates you, you have a new life. He's the one who indwells you so that you can live the life that you were supposed to live. And he enables you to walk into the destiny that you're supposed to walk in. The Holy Spirit is in you. Okay? You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't desecrate that temple with your independent thinking saying, I have the right to do whatever I want to do with this body. Have you ever seen those movies or those or read those stories when when ignorant people or, or arrogant people try to desecrate, you know, temples in, in the mythologies, when they desecrate holy things, what happens? You know, they incur the wrath of the gods, right? Those are the mythologies. You know, we don't believe in the Greek mythology because there's only one God. But that actually speaks truth because, you know, you do not desecrate, you do not treat as something common that which is holy. So, God created us, therefore he owns us. Jesus purchased us, and now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Three compelling reasons why we honor God. Actually, as a believer, you are not forced to honor God. You know what? As a believer, you should choose to honor God with a willing heart because he valued you so much. He honored you. And when you give in to, to sin, especially sexual immorality, you are the only one separating yourself from that very life that God wants you to live. He wants you to be in the fullness of his purpose. Okay? So what's our, what's our response to this reality? What is our response? First, let's be like Apostle Paul, who desired that Christ be honored in his body, whether through life or death. How did Paul view honoring God with his body? 
by the way he lived, and he aspired that by the way he died, he would glorify God. So whether by life or death, Christ will be honored in his body. And when he spoke about his body, it's not just the shell, again, but it's his entire being. That's why it's all about life, your entire life. How many of you want to honor God? Why do you have this, how many of you want to have this desire? Have this desire. Secondly, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God in Romans 12. We are to offer first desire to honor God, then follow through with that desire with the act of presenting yourself, offering yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. That means you lay down your desires, you lay down your ambition, you lay down what you want for what he wants. And who is the best example for this? Jesus. When he was at the garden at Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if it, po- it would be possible for this cup to pass from me, but yet, not my will, but your will be done. You know that you're drawing closer and closer to Jesus. When more and more you get to say without grumbling and complaining, Lord, let your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. If you find yourself negotiating with God, okay, God, let's negotiate. Okay, let's meet halfway. (laughs) You have a long ways to go, my friend. (laughs) But if you're saying, Lord, I don't understand, but let your will be done. Not my will. Let your will be done. That tells you you're becoming more and more like Jesus. You're becoming closer and closer to him. You're growing your relationship with him. Because it only takes a revelation for someone to say that. When you do this, when you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, as holy and acceptable, or holy and pleasing, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do you realize? How many of you love the worship time, or you love worship time in church? You, like, you love it? That is not the only worship. That's one expression. But you know what worship is? It's giving of yourself. The very word worship means the act and attitude of wholeheartedly giving your oneself to God. Spirit, soul, and body. Worship is all about giving yourselves wholly to God. Not just the lifting up of hands and I sang songs. No, that's just an expression. Real worship is giving of yourself to God. That's why you come here and sing songs. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, like, oh, my soul rejoice. In church, tweet, take joy, my king, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound. And then your victory group leader looks at you in your ear. If If your heart is not in it, who are you fooling? Are you here this morning? You're only fooling yourself. Do you realize worship is the only thing God gets from us? We can't give God anything but our worship. That's why when you worship God, you worship God with all your heart. It's not about the singing song. It's about the giving of yourselves. 
to God. In service to Him. When I sing to Him, do that. When you do things for Him, do it for His glory. And as you worship God, as you present your body as living sacrifice, look at this. It will result to you not conforming to the world, but you will be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. You will walk in the will of God. That You will see that this will of God is good. It's acceptable. And it's perfect. And the more you walk in it, hey, this is good. And then you keep walking and say, this is pleasing. Accept. Wow, this is great. And then later on, as you are used to walking in the will of God and you're growing, you know, there's no other place I'd rather be. This is perfect for me. The best place to be in life is to be in the center of God's will. And that is the most pleasing. You know, that's the, it's the most satisfying thing a person can ever have is to be in the center of the will of God. So, how do we offer us? So what are some practical, as we wind down, how, what are some practical ways that we can offer our bodies to God and, and walk in the will of God? First, flee sexual immorality. Flee it. 1 Corinthians 6, we've read that. Another verse says that, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. You want to know what God's will is? Stop sinning. Stop committing sexual immorality. Because it breaks God's heart when you do that. You desecrate His temple when you do that. Especially if you're a believer. That is not fitting for a believer. And we're not talking about behavior. We're talking about the heart here. Next, learn to control your body in holiness and honor. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 4 says this. Continues, you know, it's the will of God for you to abstain from sexual immorality, and it continues. That each of you, each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. See, if you don't know God, this is your way of life. You're driven by your lusts. But if you know God, if you know Him, this is your way of life. You will control your own body in holiness and honor. You will know. You will know or learn how to control your own body. Okay? So the encouragement of scriptures is Romans 6. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And so how will you know how to walk in the will of God? How will you know how to control your body? Well, the third point, the third practical thing, ask God for wisdom. I wish I can tell you, I can give you pointers, but you know what? It's best that you get it straight from God when you ask for his wisdom. The Bible says, if you ask, anyone asks for wisdom, God gives wisdom without, without limit and without finding fault. It doesn't matter what your spiritual state is. If you ask God, He will give it to you. He's that generous. And in Colossians 1, 9 through 10 says this, So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding 
so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. If you ask God for wisdom, he will teach you. He will give you his grace to teach you to say no to ungodliness and to walk in his will. And as you do that, you will walk in a manner that is worthy of him. You will be fully pleasing to him. You will bear fruit in every good work. And you will be increasing in the knowledge of God. So, as we close this morning, you know, I'd like to leave you with this one point here. We looked at so many things here, but here's what I, here's my, what I want you to take home. To honor God in our bodies and in our lives, because the Bible sees the body not just the shell, but the entire physical being in a physical life. Okay? To honor God in our bodies and in our lives is to live to please him in every way. And good news is he gives us the grace to do it. If Jesus is your Savior and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you can live a life that can honor him. He makes it possible for you. And let me give an encouragement from 2 Timothy. Right here. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel. He will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Instead of struggling and fighting and trying to gain the victory, if you're in Christ, you already have the victory. Now you're free. You don't have to deal with that. You're free to do the very reason why you exist. You're free to do the very good works God has prepared for you, and you're useful to the master, useful to fulfill his purpose in the world and in your life. And you will walk in the fullness of your destiny in him, fulfilling your purpose, while those who are independent of God are still struggling to break free on their own strength. And if they're in bondage, they are hindered from doing what they're supposed to be doing. How many of you want to be useful to the master? Jesus will use as his instrument. See the word vessel there speaks of body as well. It speaks of a container, but it's also the Greek word there is also used for body as a whole. So you will be an instrument of righteousness. Can we? How many of you desire this? Can we all stand as we end in prayer? And here's what I'm going to want to pray for you. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body, look at that, the wholeness of your being, whole spirit and soul and body, the totality of your being, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, To him who is able to keep us from falling, to him be praise and glory. We live for His pleasure. Amen? Let's lift up our hands right now and offer ourselves to God afresh, saying, Lord, thank you for creating us, for redeeming us with your precious blood, and thank you for indwelling us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, what a privilege, Lord, 
We have so many compelling reasons to honor you. And today we choose to honor you with our bodies. Lord, we do struggle with these sins. But Lord, there is hope in you, Jesus. Our hope is only in you. That you will be the one to wash us. You will be the one to justify us. You will be the one to sanctify and cleanse us. As we walk in your truth. And as we trust in your grace. That teaches us to say no to ungodliness. We will walk. We will flee from immorality, sexual immorality. We will learn to control our own bodies in a way that is holy and honorable. And Lord, we can ask for you for your wisdom and you, you, you will guide us with your wisdom. And Lord, because you, you created me, you, because you created us, because you purchased us and because you indwell us, it is possible for us to live a life that honors you. And so Lord, today, we desire, just like Paul, we desire to honor you with all our hearts, Lord, that in our lives, whether by life or by death, Christ will be honored in our life, in our bodies. And so today, give us the wisdom, Lord, to recalibrate our lives, to go, Lord, to step back into your purpose, Lord, Lord, to move away from our deviation and align ourselves back to your purpose so that we can walk in the fullness of your perfect will, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. Lord, today we thank you that with this desire, Lord, you give us the grace. And today we say to you, Lord, by your grace and by faith in you, we will live our lives in honor of you. For your honor and for your glory, we will live our lives for your glory alone, for your honor alone. We will glorify you with our bodies, with our lives, with our every decision, with our choices, with our thought life, with our words, with our motivations, with our relationships, with the choices of our careers, and whatever choice we make, we want to honor you. And Jesus, today, thank you that you've made that all possible for us. It is possible to live a, a life that honors and pleases you. A life that pleases you, Lord. So, thank you. And Lord, today, let your spirit, Lord, rule and reign in our hearts. And Lord, lead us by your spirit, Lord. Help your people to discern your will and help them to walk in the fullness of your will. By the leading of your spirit, for the glory and honor of Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Give God praise for that. God bless everybody. We're dismissed. If you need prayers, please come forward. We'll be glad to pray for you. Have a great week, everybody. See you again here next week.